We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in to another pod. It is Three Ma, officially rolling with that name here now. For the second time you get to hear me say that, I'm John Kurtz. Joined by Cole Manbeck, former K-State beat writer at the Manhattan Mercury. Also, we have Derek Young. You know him from K-State online fame these days. And boys, uh, I wouldn't say this is like emergency pod territory. Maybe if we were in Ames, Iowa today, we would be uh, in emergency pod territory. But there is some excitement here. K-State has officially landed the first recruit of the Jerome Tang era, and it is Jarrell Colbert, who was a transfer from LSU, only played in four games last year, but was a former top 25 recruit before he reclassified from the class of 23 to the class of 22. That was a kid, or I actually, I may have that off, right? 22 to 21. Either way, he at one point in time was the number one 20, number 21 recruit in the country. So I would say that this is starting off with a bang when we've been sitting here waiting for players, waiting for players, waiting for players. Let me kick it to you, D.Y., first, because you, you've been really boots on the ground with all of this, trying to scrounge up recruiting info, which has been hard. It's been really tough to come by, and you have to give Tang and his staff a lot of credit for the fact that they've kept things pretty under wraps here. But your initial reaction to K-State uh, landing Jarrell Colbert. Yeah, it's nice to kind of getting a, a noteworthy, I think, powerful name to to get it, the ball rolling because um, I think it kind of brings clout to what you're doing. Um, obviously, you want productive basketball players uh, or guys that will be productive uh, over anything, but sometimes there's good to have some cachet behind who you try to begin this process with, and I think Jarrell Colbert brings that. He had a prior relationship to uh, your uh, Malagi and – uh, Coach Tang himself, um, he even mentioned Coach Tang knowing him since middle school, and that was one of the reasons why he picked the Wildcat. So I, I do think that this is a good pickup. Uh, a lot of people that will probably want to play contrarian to that sentiment would say, well, he barely played at LSU. I think he got in only four games. I think played a combined, you know, not even 30 minutes on the floor. And and that's probably a worthy discussion point. It deserves to be considered. You can't just gloss over that. The LSU didn't. Um, play him for a reason but that was a pretty good team that also made the ncaa tournament that also had recruited really really well under will wade that probably had a number of recruits uh, uh, they recruited too well dy yeah. well. yeah too well but they probably had a team full of guys with a similar profile i guess what i'm saying to jerrell colbert so it's not easy to break into that kind of lineup and i and i think uh at the end of the day if you're kansas state you have to feel good about the fact that Jerome Tang and your Malgi should know what they're getting, even if he wasn't able to see the floor. And I know Cole has some probably historical things he can say about how they recruited at Baylor that would maybe give you a little bit more confidence, even if he 
didn't produce at LSU. I would just give a player cop here um, without the production, of course. But I think he comes off to me a lot like Tariq Owens did for Texas Tech a, a few years ago when they made the national title run. Definitely that long, lean body that's probably more conducive to the defensive end of the floor and protecting the rim and also able to run the floor. Um, and remember, Tariq Owens wasn't a, like a splashy offensive player, but he was one of the most valuable players on that Red Raider team just because of what he provided on the defensive end of the floor. Well, and if you can if you can just slam home lob dunks, you know, I mean, I know that's something we've heard from this coaching staff, like just somebody to go up there and catch lobs and throw them down. Like that's an incredibly valuable asset to that too. And I think like, you know, we saw some of that with Davion Bradford two years ago in, in his freshman year. And you were hoping that would continue. Unfortunately, it went the opposite way where he was able to do less of that this past year. And I think that could be really valuable. I mean, that, that's still that, that skill set with that elite athleticism is something that you want on your roster. And, and that is where I'll arrive here. Like, I think, some of this is the context of like a lot of people have a hard time wrapping their mind around like, okay, this is the the first guy that's been landed when we have a whole roster full of open spots, right? I mean, Logan Landers goes in the portals. There's four scholarship players right now. You still can't field an entire team being out there. So I think there's there's got to be some level of like, well, I mean, look, we have like nobody. We need somebody proven, somebody that can score. And there's a little bit of panic from that. But man, I, to me, it just comes down to, look, this is a big, this is like a six nine big with great wingspan and athleticism. If he was athletic enough to at one point in time, and not that long ago, just a couple of years ago, be right. ranked the number 21 prospect in the country, like explain to me how often K-State gets guys that have been ranked that highly, like into the program at all ever. I mean, yeah, look, it's K-State, man. I mean, this is not North Carolina. It, you have to get some level of damaged goods to get a, a player with that kind of elite athleticism into your program. That's That's the way it works, and we've seen it many a time that K-State gets somebody with some sort of issue like that, and then they can blow up here. And, and the, the, the other point that I would make before I let Cole, you know, I know he has some historical context, as you mentioned, to kind of throw into this. But the other point I would just make is, like, have you looked at K-State's bigs over the last I was gonna 10 years? I was, gonna, I, was, years? I was going to jump in there I'll just, uh, to kind of compound what you're about to say. And, and this is going to sound like disrespectful, Shade. And obviously we're not trying to do that. But, yes, Jarrell Colbert barely saw the floor this past year. And, and, like I said, it's going to sound like disrespectful shade, but I'm not so sure there's a Kansas State big that played last season that, that plays any more minutes than Jarrell Colbert did, and they probably play less. And, yes, you want a massive upgrade to what we saw last year. I get it. But at some, it, it can still be an upgrade, even if he only played 24 minutes. And it's someone with the upside, like I said, that could be similar to what Tariq Owens did for a team that made the national championship. Yeah, I mean, look, nobody on that roster that was a big had anywhere in the same stratosphere uh, level of ceiling as, as what you have here with Colbert. So, like, yes, everybody wants immediate results. You can, in the transfer portal, get some immediate results. I'm hoping that there will be some immediate results with Colbert. But even if it's a longer-term play, hey, I mean, I was just reading today with the Tyrese Hunter news of Iowa State leaving, like, your best bet maybe to go find – younger underclassmen in the portal. So they use up that one free transfer where they have to, where they don't have to sit out a year and then you can keep them and develop them for the next three years. There's a little bit more security in that. And, and that could be this type of play as well too, for K-State. Frankly, I don't really care if it's immediate returns or long-term yeah. returns or both or what Cole. I mean, I, I just think getting somebody with this kind of profile is a, is a hell of a start. So I, I don't understand much of, of the consternation about it here at all. I think you take it and look at the long-term potential here and be pretty excited. 
three years of eligibility remaining. So that is important to note. Well, that's a, that's the thing, D.Y. and John. He's got plenty of room to grow still. He's one year removed from being a freshman in college. And, you know, when you look at it, you guys hit on it. The back-to-the-back postgame, back-to-the-basket postgame is not nearly as prevalent in today's game. It's about being able to have bigs that can run the floor, block shots, dunk the basketball. He's got the athleticism to do all those things, and Kansas State knows what they're getting here. And look, if Kansas State fans need a reminder of another big that came here just a little more than a decade ago, you just look at Curtis Kelly. You know, He played in 51 games at UConn, averaged two points a game in his career. Comes to K-State, averages 11 a game nearly eight rebounds per game in his two-year career. He was a stud for Kansas State, uh, you know, and he was the number 27 recruit in the country out of high school, Curtis Kelly was. And so Gerald Colbert's another guy that's very similar profile, very similar size. You have to take these high upside young guys. You got to take a chance on some of these guys. I mean, these are the these guys are better than a lot of those guys that are in the portal that are older, um, more mid-major types. I mean, this has a high pedigree of talent. And I just would say, if you you just have to trust his coaching staff and Jerome Tang when it comes to these types of players. I mean, look at Baylor's program over the years. Davion Mitchell was the number 63 player in the country in his recruiting class. Comes to Auburn. He averages 3.7 points per game, transfers to Baylor, red shirts. Davion Mitchell is one of the best rookies in the NBA right now and was a star on the Baylor national championship team. Brady Heslip, Baylor, didn't record a single stat at Boston College. Coach Tang hit on it on our podcast just last week that we recorded talking about, you know, you got to find the guys that know they're going to put in the work, that they're addicted to basketball, they're going to be in the gym. Brady Heslip goes to Baylor after he couldn't play at Boston College. They identified him. They didn't even have a minute of tape on him playing in college basketball because he didn't play at BC. And, you know, he averages over 10 a game, his three-year career. He was one of the best three-point shooters in the country. He shot 44% in his career. Freddie Gillespie, a Division three transfer, guys, a big from a Division three school, goes to Baylor, ends up in the NBA. Dale Bonner, a D2 transfer this last year, is playing significant minutes for Baylor. This coaching staff knows how to develop guys. And so they are able to identify in the portal maybe better than anybody. I mean, I've went through all of Baylor's players that they've gotten in the portal over the last 15 years when Jerome Tang was there. I know he's been there 19 years. Go back to Ekbe Udo. Ekbe Udo at Michigan, seven points per game. Goes to Baylor, he becomes a first-round pick. He's picked six in the draft because he scores 14 points a game and 10 rebounds a game. They know how to identify in the portal, maybe better than anybody in America. Macy O.T., James Akenjo. Now, Akenjo's a stud. I mean, he's been a stud everywhere. But I could go down a list of about 20 guys. Jonathan Thombo Thatchua, uh, you know, has done well at Baylor. You know, so that, I'm not worried about it. I think Colbert has the pedigree that you want. I think it's a terrific pickup and uh, a good fit for what Kansas State is looking for. A mobile big that can defend on the perimeter, can go down low, can run the floor. He's athletic. And I will say this too, the football transfer portal, there's always a few positions that are a little thin in the portal. It's hard to find a good player at a certain positions in the transfer portal at football this year. I mean, every year it's been offensive line. I mean, that's just something that's really tough to find in the transfer portal. This year it's also tight ends. And basketball, the the more I, you know, we're, we haven't really combed through the transfer portal like we have this year from a reporting standpoint. And it just seems like a lot of them are these guys that can really score the good ones or the ones that can really score the basketball from the perimeter. I don't think you see a ton of, you know, available productive posts or bigs in the portal. I think that's kind of a little bit of a unicorn too. So to get someone with Colbert's upside, I think is valuable in that sense as well. 
And here's the, I would just throw in one thing about his limited minutes at LSU guys. First of all, LSU, they were a really good rebounding team, really good offensive rebounding team, right? But a lot of that was because they had size on the perimeter. Brandon Murray, who's now at Georgetown, transferred this offseason. He's a 6'5 guard that was starting for him. You got Tari Eason, a 6'7 forward, and Darius Days, a 6'8 forward, that were veteran players. Tari Eason was one of the best transfers in America. He was a stud for LSU this year. Darius Days was a senior, 6'8, could really shoot it. And then the guy that, that he was buried behind Colbert was Efton Reed, who was the number 29 player in the country, the number four ranked center in the country, and was a little bit older actually than Colbert. Because again, we talked about Colbert reclassified. I wouldn't get hung up just not having played much in his freshman year. I mean, this was a very talented LSU team. I mean, like John and DY alluded to, you guys alluded to, they've recruited very well uh, for, you know, many reasons. <laughs> and there's a reason why Will Wade's no longer the coach there. Yeah, it was not a team full of chumps. I mean, that was a six seed. Now, yes, they got beat by Iowa State on Iowa State's way to the Sweet 16, but, like, that was a team, their resume put them as a six seed. Like, that that was a pretty good squad. So, yes, it's a, it's a concern that he didn't play much, but I would say that's a better team than I think people on the surface would imagine when they just hear LSU, especially with the headline of, like, LSU's entire rosters in the portal, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, the other thing to bring up here is he did reclassify. So in the world that Colbert was originally living in, he would have just been finishing up his final season pre-college this past year instead of actually being at LSU. Now, it's not like, and I made this mistake early on, assuming, okay, well, he must have been like 17 last year. He is older. Um, I believe he's about to turn 20 here later this month. So he, he is a little bit more mature in terms of his age as far as that goes. But if we're talking about like experience and where he was supposed to be, the reclassification means that he should have been still not in college this past year when he rode the bench at LSU. So you're, you're kind of, you know, you can frame it as you're getting a kid that had he stayed in, maybe still is like a top 50 sort of recruit uh, nationally right now, and you would have no chance to get him if he had not gone to LSU. Now you've had a chance to get him, and he's at least gotten his feet wet into college basketball. Like he knows what college basketball is like from having spent some time there at LSU. So – Look, I think we've all outlined here, I think, a lot of the advantages, which really, I just, there, there's not much downside in this at all. I mean, the, the other point here is you, you have so many scholarships to give out. You have so many spots available. Why not take a chance on a lot of high upside guys, especially year one? I mean, look, we all want the team to turn around pretty quickly, and it is easier to do in the portal nowadays, but it would be pretty unrealistic to say, like, hey, this has to be a tournament team next year. Jerome Tang and the staff have said, like, we're trying to build this from the ground up. We're, we're really trying to build a program here, not just go for a quick turnaround and a quick fix in one season. Um, that, to me, indicates, like, these are exactly the type of guys that you need to bring in and take some chances on if you really want to go for, I know nobody has patience, but, like, thinking two, three years down the road and, like, what this program can be, it, it would be contingent on landing a lot of guys with the athletic ability that Jarrell Colbert has. I, I would agree. I will just say this, what, what happened with Iowa State this past year, and I will say they did it with a lot of smoke and mirrors. Like there's, I mean, there's a few games on there where they're struggling to score 40 points pretty often. Um, the fact that they went from worst to not first, but from worst to the Sweet 16, that's going to send send probably an unreal barometer and gauge for, for teams in the Big 12 that tried to flip that same script because – I think folks think that that can be the norm or if Iowa state can do it, we certainly can. And I understand that sentiment, but that doesn't mean it's normal or 
should be the expectation or that you even want to do it that way, right? Because it almost seems like Missouri is kind of trying to probably do that model more so than Iowa State. And then if you do it that way, then you have to tear it back down and do the same thing every year. And I think you're really threading the needle. So if you do find these guys with multiple years of eligibility remaining, um, like Coach Tankson on our podcast last week, it's not really the get old, stay old thing, but you know, have guys that have played a lot of basketball, not just are older, but that have played a lot. Like they've had um, quite a bit of Baylor. So I do think that there's a, there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. Um, the wrong way can be successful, to be honest, because it, there's not a whole lot of, uh, I guess, staying power to that. There's a possibility where you go from, you know, worst to the Sweet 16, but maybe back to worst again if you can't basically duplicate that same effort. Yeah, that's that's right, D.Y. I mean, that you hit on what I was going to talk about. I, I like that they're getting guys, and we'll talk about Cam Carter here in a moment as well, but they're getting – high upside younger guys in the portal that have multiple years of eligibility that you can build around. And if you look at Baylor's roster over the years, how, how often do they get, they got a couple one and done types in there, but they also had program guys. They had three and four year guys and coach Tang talked about us. You know, Davion Mitchell was with the program three years. Macy Oteague, he redshirted, then played two years. Mark Vidal, Flo Thamba, Jonathan Thamba, Thatchewa. These are all three to four year guys that have been in the program. And then they surround them with a couple star players as well. They have program guys. He wants guys that have been in the program for three years and then have other guys stacked behind them that are coming into their third year. And that's how you build a sustainable long-term program. He's not just trying to mandate this together. It would be really easy for him to go get a bunch of one-year guys like Missouri's doing. Right? <laughs> Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tucker. Uh, yeah, he could mandate it together and uh, do it that way. But I like the long-term approach. K-State fans just need to be patient. And that's not to say they can't be good this year. I mean, I, I trust that he's going to get some very talented dudes. <laughs> we got Tucker listening in here on us and uh, a, a Missouri guy. And, and so uh, he's going to get some talented guys. I think Kansas State can be competitive this year. I'm not going to make an excuse that they can't be. I think they'll have a chance. I think they're going to land some guys here that are going to really excite the fan base. Um, but, you know, I think you should be excited that he's building it the right way and not just trying to, to patch it together to win right away. He, he trusts in his ability and his staff's ability to evaluate talent, to go get guys, and that he's building this for the long haul. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. 
Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. And by the way, I mean, one last note that I'll throw in here on uh, Colbert is the fact that, like, what was the specialty? What were we told the specialty was of Tang coming in? It was developing bigs. This is a guy who works with bigs. Um, that was really his job and, and his role in the coaching staff at, at Baylor. So if there is somebody that you should feel confident in doing so, I would I would think Jerome Tang would be pretty high on the list. And even, I mean, Cole brought up the Curtis Kelly example. Judging by now, this is, again, me having to work off of people's like Instagram stories, which is a, a part <laughs> of the, the reality in 2022 today. But if you follow Curtis Kelly on Instagram and you follow Jareem Dowling on Instagram, I mean, it would appear right now that Curtis Kelly is still going to remain a part of the program as a GA or some kind of role. Uh, so there's there's a guy, Cole outlined the profile, that Colbert fits that same sort of thing. Well, Curtis Kelly is going to be there potentially being able to help walk him through it as well. So, look, it's no guarantee that it will work out. But I think, I don't know, I'm just thrilled with it. I think it's exactly the kind of move that you want to see happen. Like, we – uh, D.Y. off the top of your head and get Cole, too. I mean, who was the most talented ranking-wise kid that Bruce Weber brought in the entire time Bruce was here? Uh, Malik Harris, maybe? And I think he was, like, in the 50s, maybe? 50 or 60 in the Rivals 150? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, hey, I don't yeah. Even... Dean Wade? Yeah. But I yeah, mean, Dean, Dean wasn't touching top 25. No, so, those those were guys that were hovering right around a hundred, right? In the uh top one hundred recruiting rankings. Nigel Pack was what what did he get up to, DY? Did he get into the nineties at one point? I think or? I think I think they're all about the same. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Nigel, Gordon was probably in that range, right? At one point. Right. But, yeah, and, but, he, and he was on like that team USA team that Bruce coached. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would I would just say one more thing on the Baylor history, Johnny. You hit on that with their success with big guys. Let's just let's go through a few names here. Remember Joe Luala Cool? A JUCO player from Neosha, Kansas, he plays professional basketball now. You know, he was a guy that averaged 12 points a game at Baylor. You got Ekpe Udo. Remember Rico Gathers, Quincy Acey, Corey Jefferson. You could go on and on. Freddie Gillespie, Jonathan Thombo Thatch was a really good player. Flo Thombo has been a good program guy. They have a very strong history. I'm not even mentioning Isaiah Austin, Perry Jones. I, they, they have a very strong history of producing great bigs at Baylor. And, and like program types, like long springy bigs, you know, I mean, like this, this archetype too, like Quincy AC, if you could give me a Quincy AC, my God, I remember Baylor's media notes, which they, they have an excellent uh, media relations department as well. I, I always thought they did a really good job with that, promoting their program. But back in the day when AC was there, I remember they always, it was like on the front page of the notes, he scored a higher percentage of his points on dunks than anybody in the country. It was like 68% of his field goals were dunks. Like it was, I mean, it was ridiculous. That sounds outlandish, but I'm, I may only be exaggerating slightly on that. Like if you give me that kind of a guy, that's exactly what I want, man. I want guys running up and down the floor, flying all over the place, jamming at home. Um, that is very simplistic basketball analysis that you can only get here on the three mile podcast, but that, that is what I want. And Jarrell Colbert seems like he could really, uh, add that to the roster. Now the problem will be, you know, what's everybody else doing? Who's going to get him the ball? Maybe that's going to be Cam Carter, Mississippi State transfer, who was there for one season. Again, in the same sort of boat here as Colbert. But uh, Dy, what what is the expectation there? A guy who's supposed to be on campus this week, correct? Yeah, he's visiting Kansas State this week, from what we have been able to gather. And um, I guess the day keeps shifting a little bit, but I think he'll be visiting Manhattan this week. 
Uh, it's probably like the guard version of Jarrell Colbert a little bit, a guy that has a lot of upside potential, but you know, for one reason or another, he had some time where he didn't see the floor. But if you look where he was getting regular playing time, and I'm sure Cole can bring it up. He's kind of our stats guy, but, uh, it was the first part of the season where he's getting regular minutes and seeing the floor regularly. And he's scoring nearly, you know, 20 points a few different times. And yeah, I mean, I, I was searching his name on Twitter just to kind of, you know, see what they're getting here. And, and even just for stats. And I, I see like tweets from someone like John Rothstein saying, watch out for this guy from Mississippi state. You know, he's a freshman. He's already making a splash in the first few games. I think scoring nearly 20 points in a couple of different ball games. So um, for one reason or another, it seemed to fade a little bit on him, but he's someone again, that seems to have that upside that they're kind of valuing, even if for one reason or another, it didn't come together as consistently as he had hoped his first season on campus. And this is another guy that's, you know, we were talking about that range that a lot of those better Bruce Weber recruits were in similar sort of range. When you talk about the recruiting profile, this is not like elite top 25, like, uh, like what you had with Colbert, but still top 150. I mean, in the rivals, 150. Um, so definitely the level of recruit that if if K-State were landing him out of high school in the Bruce Weber era, you would have been pretty excited about. Like, I think you would have seen it and been like, okay, good. Yeah, that's that's probably about where this program should be recruiting. Yeah, if you look would, at the uh, – oh, go ahead, D.Y. No, I, I, would, I would agree with that. And, and just to – I guess I would say I, I think I would be okay with it now, like regardless of who they go to. Oh, yeah, yes, like, yes, <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah, I mean, it, you, know, you look at the 24-7 composite rankings, which takes all the evaluation rankings in. He was ranked the 114th player in the 2021 class. He was number 30 shooting guard in the country. Blake Wesley was the number 32 shooting guard in the country. He went to Notre Dame. He's probably going to be an NBA lottery pick this year, just from last year's class. And to what D.Y. talked about with his – you know, at Mississippi State, look, Ben Howland's program's been a mess at Mississippi State. There's a reason he's no longer employed. He just never got it going there. I think he handled the roster poorly. I think Cam Carter is a very talented kid. And the thing I like, he's a six foot three point guard. So, you know, he gives them some size, some length, and he's very, very athletic. He's a great defender. He takes a lot of pride in defense. He's a very good passer and distributor. You know, he might not be a perfect shooter at this point. He's not going to be Nigel Pack, but, you know, he's going to be around 34 35%, you know, in a year or so. So he's an adequate shooter. And I just think he possesses very good point guard skills. Just another high, young, upside guy that uh, is going to be a good leader. I mean, you, you read quotes about him when he came on. He takes a lot of pride in playing hard and playing really good defense. And so very athletic. I think he'll be a great pickup. I, I think we expect D.Y., right, that uh, he'll likely be in the fold. I don't want to speak for you. <laughs> no, you're fine. It certainly sounds good. I just, you never know um, until it's done, done in recruiting because it can be so fleeting at times and the littlest things can impact things one way or another. But as we are recording, and yes, we're recording on a Monday night, it, it certainly sounds good for Kansas State. Well, this whole idea of like real gangsters move in silence, you know, with these guys and this coaching staff, like they, they are moving in silence. It is tough to get a lot of information out of them. And even with some of these players, like it's been tough to, you know, Colbert, I had people asking me like who else was really after him. And I it moved pretty quickly once he came into the portal that he was coming to Manhattan and committing to K-State. I don't know that there was a ton of information out there about that. And I, where are we at with with your point guard that's coming in here this week in, in terms of the competition there for him? Yeah, I mean, 
we're, we're talking about some of these programs like to move in silence, but transfers like to as well in some cases. They're not the typical high school recruit where they have to worry about exposure and maybe uplifting their ranking just to catch a coach's eye. I mean, they're, they're already kind of known commodities. They've already played college basketball. And to be honest, they probably don't want to deal with people like us. Um, they don't want to talk to us because they don't so, need so us kind of the, the polar opposite of what uh, K-State football fans are dealing with right now in terms of the recruits they're tracking? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, I, I guess it's on one hand, high school recruit with uh, some pizzazz probably wants that attention, that exposure, because it's fun to go viral and all that, and, and you like being hyped up. A college kid that's already been through it, uh, I mean, he, did, he didn't need us. He, I mean, if they don't need us, then they're not going to really – you know, exchanging a whole lot of dialogue. I mean, I think for the most part, sometimes with some of these recruitments, you don't know who a, a certain school is competing against for every single transfer because some of these transfers don't really care to to share. Um, so I think you run into that. But to your question, I couldn't tell you. I guess it's the best answer of who they're ne- necessarily colliding with for Jarrell Colbert or, or now Cam Carter. What I can tell you is I, I expect Kansas State to continue to host transfers not only throughout this week, but over the weekend and into next week. I think it'll be kind of a revolving door of guys becoming or coming on campus and them hosting them for visits. Well, D.Y., you mentioned going viral. Uh, speaking of going viral, I mean, I, I follow this account. It's like the Rivals National Basketball Recruiting Account. And all of a sudden, it's linking to uh, K-State Online talking about the Wildcats maybe getting a, a visit out of a five-star prospect in 2022. That is Julian Phillips. So I'm assuming by this point, even if you aren't a subscriber to KSO, which you should be, you would have found out about that first. A lot of people have now seen it since it's out there on Twitter. So this is a, this is a tricky one. This is a complicated one, but fancy five-star K-State and visit in the same sentence, and you, you start to get pretty excited. So put put the pieces together for us here on the odds of this actually coming to fruition. Yeah, obviously that's Julian Phillips, a five-star that plays for an academy in Missouri. I think it's Linkier Academy kind of a in its first year. Uh, obviously, they're, they're coached by Rodney Perry, who, you know, there's some rumblings about that he could be connected with Kansas State in some way, shape, or form in the future. And should that happen, that would be a connection, you would think. And most people, even some sources, would suggest that it could be something that could at least give Kansas State the possibility of hosting him on a visit. Um, it's a little bit preliminary in nature and some, you know, hurdles have to be cleared and there's still some things that have to be done. Um, maybe I's dotted T's crossed, but it's not out of the question that Julian Phillips could visit Kansas state at some point. Um, also not out of the question he won't, but it's certainly better than zero. And I think a month ago, if you, we were saying, Oh, they might get five-star Julian Phillips on campus. Um, I think everyone would have laughed, but I don't think they would laugh at this point if, if things fall into place the right way. Well, that's, former that's, former okay. LSU commit, uh, yep. you know, committed LSU, just going to raid raid the Tiger program. You know what? Kansas State just wants to be a thorn in LSU's side, right? Just smack them in the bowl game, take Jarrell Colbert, yeah. take Julian Phillips. <laughs> you know, well, it, I was, was going to say on the basketball front right now, I mean, it's kind of hard to – I know the portal is big and vast and there are a ton of kids in there, but LSU's entire freaking roster's in there. So like if you're in the portal right now and you turn left, you're probably going to get smacked in the face by somebody that played at LSU. Like you, you can't really move at all. You can move in silence all you want, but you can't really move at all without getting hit by somebody from LSU's program because that whole thing just blew up last year. So <laughs> you, it, some of that I feel like is inevitable. 
Yeah, I I think there's I think there's going to be some surprises. I mean, I'm not saying Julian Phillips is going to commit, but I think there are some guys. And Phillips would be a guy that you could easily link to. And as you wrote about Dy and Flando at KSO, I mean, there are some connections there. So it certainly seems like a possibility. He's an uncommitted player. He's the number 14 player in the country. I found myself watching film of him last night and highlights and uh, allowed myself to get a little bit excited. I was actually really impressed with the way he shot the ball as a uh, six foot eight small forward. So boy, he would be exciting. Uh, That one will probably take a little time to unfold, but in the meantime, I mean, I think there are going to be some surprises. I mean, coach Tang talked about it on the podcast, right? He, he alluded to this. And then shortly after Kendrick Davis Antoine Davis, you know, all these guys enter the portal. He talked about how some of the best players to enter the portal are coming in these next couple of weeks. Right. And they've been very patient. They have not panicked and overreacted and said, oh, we got to fill at least a couple of the scholarships to get people off our backs, the fan base off our backs. They they've taken their time. And as he alluded to, now there's more talent entering the portal. It's probably going to continue to happen. You know, you Talked about some transfers visiting this like next weekend, not to get off topic from Julian Phillips, but Antoine Davis. I mean, that's a guy that's averaged 23 points a game in his four-year career. The son of Mike Davis, former Indiana head coach, you know, trying to sleuth through the connections there. You know, you see Maligi following him on Twitter. He's following him back. He's he's following Jarrell Colbert on Twitter. Uh, so there may be some connections there. And uh, DY, I let you speak to the possibilities, what you think and visiting with him, but that would be a huge home run pickup. I mean, KU, Kentucky, they're all after him. And K-State's one of three being mentioned as schools that he's likely to visit. Well, yeah, let, I, let me just step in here and say that Mike Davis is the former Texas Southern head coach that won one of the more <laughs> remarkable games in Bramlage Coliseum history, not Indiana. So I'm not, I'm not sure where that came from. I mean, yes, he did also coach at Indiana, but clearly you buried the lead there. Yeah, I will say, going back to his time at Texas Southern, that's kind of the connection here because – coaching at a school in Texas, that that is why he is familiar and is connected to Jerome Tang, Eric Malagy, Jareem Dowling. So that's the connection there. Um, they're in play for Antoine Davis. Uh, at this point, I would be surprised if he didn't visit. I think one is definitely in the cards and is going to happen very soon. And, and I think they're well into that. I think Georgetown is involved there as well. Um, they're kind of like Missouri. They're really trying to put things together and say Patrick Ewing's job and they're apparently doing a pretty good job of it, right? Because they're recruiting very well as well. Kansas State um, uh, colliding with them more often than we've seen in the past. So, yeah, I think Antoine Davis is possible. Uh, They were chasing Terry Roberts. He's off the board to Georgia, so that takes one guard away. But as you said, the portal's becoming more crowded with some of these guys that can really fill it up. I mean, just today, and we'll take a shot because we'll always take a shot at Iowa State if we can. They're losing Tyrese Hunter. He was the Big 12 freshman of the year. He just entered the transfer portal today. Well, so here's where I'm I'm, I'm conflicted on Tyrese Hunter, man. Like, I have not taken many shots here at Iowa State because I – Because of Nigel? Well, it's more Similar. like you just yeah. you just feel like that can happen to anybody in today's day and age. Like, I mean, the portal is wild right now, man. It is wild. And I'm somebody that definitely supports – the players having this opportunity. And I think the, the problem here, if you want to be mad, it's that the NCAA for never taking small steps and, and legislating it along the way, it's that they let it get to this point. But this is the reality that we live in. And like just getting blindsided by that in mid April, because the rumor being that he's going to get paid a ton of money to go play at North Carolina. 
Like that sucks. That's hard. Now, one again, that reiterates the point. Like this is why both one, if you're Jerome Tang, you're patient in the portal because more guys like this become available. And two, you go lock up the young guys that just played one year. You get them to transfer, and now if they're going to leave your program, they still do have to sit out a year if they leave, so you have a better chance to develop them. I think there are a number of tentacles off of that story that relate to K-State, but like, I came away feeling kind of bad for Iowa State because I was like, look, I mean, that very very easily, very, very easily could happen at, at K-State. Now, Tang was also very good at, at, at Baylor, and Scott drew that whole program at like maintaining guys. They were not losing very many people, even as it became more in vogue in college hoops. But I, I felt a little bit of like, ugh, like just kind of cringing, like, John, like this will happen no. at some point in time. I know. Before you go, Cole, I will say this. I, you mentioned North Carolina. I, the most recent school I've seen connected to Tyrese Hunter, KU. Just well, I, I, I mean, I'm just, is there any legitimate? I've seen Kansas fans and maybe mm-hmm. like borderline fanboy media types like speculating about it. But the, the rumor for a while had been North Carolina and like 250K and. I don't know. I mean, it would suck. Who did they pulled Coleman Lands right last year? So I very well. Remy Martin. Remy Martin. Well, but I mean, Coleman Lands from Iowa State, right? They, oh, they yeah, yeah. Off of Iowa State's roster, so it's, it's yeah. Not like the, well, the and twelve I, and programs I, and pulled and, him. And in Iowa State, got Tristan Anaruna. It was like a trade, right? <laughs> not and now Anaruna is gone. Now he's yeah. entered the portal <laughs> again. Uh, you know, look. It, it, the thing that sucks about this whole thing, there's clearly tampering that goes on, right? Probably more prevalent than ever. I mean, clearly these guys are being tampered with when they're in another program and they're being offered deals. And, you know, I know that's gone on forever, but I think it's happening at a higher rate now because of the rules. Uh, but I will say, John, don't don't go soft on us with Iowa State. Iowa State fans are complaining. They have built their program on transfers over the last decade plus. I mean, that's where they've gotten all of their guys. Fred Hoiberg didn't recruit the high school ranks hardly at all. He just went and, you know, took DeAndre Kane and all these different grad transfers every year. Uh, you know, you can name them Royce, Royce Hill, right? I mean, they, that's how they built it. And then that's how Otzelberger built it really this year. They brought in a ton of transfers and, you know, their best player was Brockington and other transfers. So it's just, it's unfortunate. It's, it's a landscape we live in today. I, I do think it makes it harder for fans to, relate to the program and the players. I know some people that aren't as into basketball anymore because there's just, they can't get to know the roster guys are in and out in one year, but it's just the, the landscape of today's uh, college basketball landscape and football. Really. I will say, I think the game in that respect was d- deteriorating interest wise before we actually got NIL and the transfer portal here the last couple of years. I think it's been on a long, slower decline. This may accelerate it for some people, but then I don't know. You look at programs in the position of K-State, I think it actually heightens the interest in the program. I think it makes you feel like there's more of a chance. I think it makes you feel like you can get back to the game quicker. So there is an element of like the portal giveth and the portal taketh away. Yep. But, uh, just just being honest, my initial reaction, it was not like me purposely trying to be soft on Iowa State at all. It was just like it was one of those realities where I was looking around like, man, okay, yeah, this, this could happen. And, and you're right. I mean, D.Y. kind of said it, a similar thing happens with Nigel Pack albeit the difference there being obviously a coaching change. Like, I think you just expect a lot of that's going to happen with a coaching change, whereas Iowa State was not going through that. If you don't want to twist the knife on Iowa State in basketball, we can do it on football, though. Will Ancio and Wesley Fair picking the Cats over Iowa State. If we were ever going to flip the recruiting page to football, that'd be a good starting point. Yeah, well, tell us the significance of that, because I think most would look at it, and I would look at it as like, okay, there's a couple dominoes that have fallen, 
and there's like another one that's getting ready to fall. And if that tips, then you're talking about Avery Johnson, Dylan Edwards, and putting together maybe the best in-state class K-State's ever had. And yeah. we've just been waiting for this for so long. Like it feels like K-State's on the precipice of putting together what we all wanted to happen in. What, what class was Turner Corcoran? Was that 2020? I think so. And so that class could have been what this one is – is trending, sort of towards. trending yeah. towards. Yeah, I, that's a good way of putting it. But I will just say, even what they've done so far, I think you have to like, you know, tip your cap to Chris Kleiman and company because the, at least the last two commits, right? Will Antio, the tight end from Cape and Mount Carmel, and Wesley Fair, the defensive back from Wichita Collegiate. One, Kansas State's kind of historically struggled in the city of Wichita when it comes to recruiting. Um, at least uh, to a certain extent. So you're kind of flipping the page, turning the script on that. And two, you just beat Iowa State head-to-head. You didn't do that once in the class of 2022, this past one. Um, They've really struggled to recruit against Matt Campbell, so especially in-state. So taking those two away from Matt Campbell, there's some significance of that and what it could lead to. Because I, you know, if what I'm hearing is right, I think, and I'm not saying he'll commit to K-State. I think it's trending the right way for him, as you suggested. But I think the next in-state domino to fall will be Avery Johnson. I th- just think he's closer to the decision-making process of it all than someone like Joe Otting or Dylan Edwards at this point. I, I think Avery, I'm not sure he goes another, we'll say two months. I, I think I think before the end of May, I think I would have expected him to have made his college decision. Well, it sounds like the problem here is that one, Dan Lanning needs to get the hell out of here. The the new head coach at Oregon <laughs> sniffing around Dylan Edwards and Avery Johnson. And then also uh, Iowa continues to be a problem for uh, high-ish profile offensive linemen that K-State is going after. I mean, that, th- those those are the concerns right now, right? That, that's fair to say. Um, yeah. So we got to see what happens with Oregon. They're, they're really not that close to being a problem, but if they were to – keep going down their quarterback list and and you wonder when the time comes that they pulled the trigger on someone like Avery Johnson, but he, but he visited Eugene. They still had an offer. So I wonder if that ever comes into play, but obviously that's, you know, you really have to search kind of far and wide to find a school that'll put up the fight against Kansas state that maybe Oregon would, because I expect Arkansas to land their quarterback uh, next Monday, next week. And I don't think it's going to be Avery Johnson. Like hearing that, like hearing that. Uh, any final thoughts, Cole, before we depart here on on an episode of Three Mile that's gone pretty long? No, I mean, I love that we squeezed in a little football talk. I mean, I think those are those are two big-time commits and hopefully lead to a domino effect of, you know, if they can get Avery in the fold and hopefully they get him in the fold in the next six to eight weeks, then, you know, DUI could speak to it. But that would lead to getting some stud receivers hopefully locked in because they want to play with a great quarterback like Avery Johnson. And then that would help build an even more dynamic roster and recruiting class around him. So Avery really is the key, but I think getting the first two there, especially in Wichita could lead to that domino effect and hopefully keep the momentum and ball rolling. They're, they're recruiting. um, The recruiting profile right now is as high as it's been since they were hired to coach Kansas state. All right. Very succinct. Very succinct. Probably doesn't hurt when you're talking about offensive players as well, that the offense appears to be moving away from dial up internet, which is kind of where the, the offense has been at in terms of what it's been over the last few years. Again, coming from a guy who, who you all know, if you follow me on Twitter, has certainly defended um, some of the, the benefits there of what Cordy Messingham was doing offensively, but we don't have time for that whole discussion today. Uh, appreciate 360 Vodka. 
Holiday Distillery, uh, all their help and support of the podcast, as always here. Guys, go stock up. If you're going to hit it hard this weekend, you're going to have some fun this weekend. Um, NFL Draft is coming up. If you're having a draft party, make sure that you're all stocked up on 360 Vodka from Holiday Distillery. All right, for Tucker Franklin, producing everything, back behind the scenes, taking uh, strays about his Missouri Tigers here on this podcast, Nicole Manbeck and Derek Young. I'm John Kurtz. Thanks for listening to 3 Mod. Tell a friend, spread the word, and we'll talk to you next time. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.